Hey, Prime members, you can listen to En La Sala ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the app today. ¿Qué pasa, mi gente? It is your girl, Becky G, aquí en La Sala. Welcome back if you were here for last week's episode. And if it's your first time, you are still welcome aquí en La Sala. I am so... I want to say excited, but also like a little emotional about today's episode because today we are having some very important conversations about mental health. And we are going to have these conversations with people that I've been a fan of for some time. One of them being Latinx therapy, Adriana Alejandre herself, as well as my boy, J Balvin, Jose, who I have also known for many, many years. I've known Balvin since I was 15, which is crazy to think about now, but we go way, way, way back. And he and I embarking on our mental health journey as individuals and sharing that with our fans has been something very sacred to both of us. And I can't wait to dive into these conversations with Adriana and uh, Jose, because I think that These are conversations that are so overdue in our community. And we talk about spirituality. We talk about the importance of mental health, but education is something that we are lacking. And we love, we love feelings aquí en la sala. So sit back, take a seat because we are about to spill the cafecito. I'm just this crying for no reason. We don't want to wake up. We don't want to eat. We didn't even want to live. You lose hope and you feel strange in every place you go. You know, like, you feel like you are outside your body. So today's episode is a very personal one for me and for many reasons. I think my fans have always known me to be an open book. Everybody you know, who's been following me from the jump, maybe knows me as Becky from the block, you know, young girl from Inglewood who got started at 14 years old, making covers on YouTube. And today the woman that I am at 23 years old has been through so much. And even before maybe you guys met me, you know, I had already been through a lot. And I think that throughout this journey with my mental health and validating my emotions, it's, surfaced a lot. It's also revealed a lot. And it's also definitely made it so evident to me as an artist to want to create a space within my platform to talk about these things. Because within our culture, especially our Latinx culture, it's embedded in us to be strong. And when we think of strong, we think of no weakness. We think of things that aren't affiliated with vulnerability. So Let's talk about it because there are so many barriers within our Latinx community when it comes to anxiety and depression. According to the Anxiety and Depression Association of America, access and acceptance of treatment are much worse in the Latinx communities. And it's a conversation and awareness that can only come through speaking with one another and sharing vulnerably what it's been like for myself, what it's been like for Adriana, what it's been like for Balvin, what it's been like for you. Let me tell you, I am not perfect. I still have my days. When I was 14, I had just turned 14. I had my very first panic attack. I ended up in the ER I'm dehydrated. I had been on the road. I have been traveling a lot. I've been working already since I was nine years old, right? So these things were normal to me. I thought this was normal. What I was feeling, what I was doing is normal, but it's not. I was a kid. I should not be under this amount of stress. I should not be under this amount of pressure. But I had normalized it for so long that when they're asking me the simplest of questions, have you been drinking water? Have you been sleeping? Well, no. But they tell you, you're young, you can sleep when you're dead. No, that's not how this goes. When your body's tired, your body's tired. When your body says, this is not good for me, it's going to tell you. It's going to reject even your own mind's commands. And that's when I learned having my first panic attack. I can't breathe 
my entire body, even though I think I'm okay, my body's telling me that I'm not. I always (laughs) use this reference. There's my physical body, right? And I think of it as a building. And I close my eyes because I want you guys to close your eyes too. And just think of your body as a building, right? And there's different levels to it. And there's different me's working in each level, in each office, right? And at one point, the sirens just went off. The alarms just went off. There's a fire in the building. And there's the person saying, guys, keep calm. We can't take the elevator. We got to take the stairs. There's the other person on top of the tables throwing the papers in the air. This is crazy. I can't believe it. There's another person rocking underneath the chair and they're like, oh my God, what am I going to do? How am I going to survive this? And then there's another person that's trying to be tactical, trying to be logical. Well, the chances of me getting down the stairs before the fire takes over the building, I'm going to be okay. And then there's another person like, this is it. I knew it. I was supposed to die. There was so many me's inside of my body running around, freaking the fuck out. And I was just like, oh, this is all happening within me, inside of me. I don't know how to explain this. How do I tell my mom that there's thousands of me inside of me telling me that the sky is falling? I was fucking chicken little. The sky is falling. Oh my God. This is it. This is the end of the world. Guys, this is happening. It sounds like it maybe lasted two days, maybe lasted two minutes. That's what a panic attack was for me. The sky is falling. The building is on fire and it lasted maybe two minutes. And I ended up in the emergency room. Fast forward the me today having a panic attack. I know what it is now. What my body is telling me. It needs to happen. I've got to let it pass. I give myself permission to feel what I need to feel. I give my mind, I give my body permission to feel sad, to feel tired, to feel drained, to feel exhausted, to feel emotional, to feel anxiety. I just have to say that with this being the mental health conversation that I wanted to have, I want you guys to know that you are not alone and that we are gonna start doing what we can to normalize these conversations. And to start with normalizing these conversations and making them more common and for you guys to know that they are not crazy, I'm gonna bring in a professional herself. Here she is, the one and only Adriana Alejandre. How are you? How are you? How are you? Hi, Becky. I'm so good. Just being here with you means so much to me because I have to say I am a huge, huge, huge fan of yours. And I've been following you for some time now. Para mi gente que no saben, I know that you are a licensed marriage and family therapist. And you are also the founder of where I discovered you, Latinx Therapy. So thank you so much for your time and for stopping by La Sala to talk about the importance of mental health, which is the core focus of this episode, uh, which is new for our Latinx community, because I feel like mental health is something we don't talk about enough, to be honest. It's still a taboo topic. I mean, I think that when the platform started in 2018 and thanks to social media platforms, people started digitally talking about mental health and being curious. And now we're at a space where uh, the community craves it, but it's still in the households outside of the digital social media realm. It isn't being talked about. Right. And I just like love to talk to you because you talk about it all the time. You talk about chancla culture. You talk about just overall mental health and what our culture carries into our future generations. And I'd love to talk to you about how it it got started and what drew you to mental health. And I guess having the strength to really break those generational cycles, you know, because Those are, I guess, the toughest ones to really step into and saying, I'm strong enough to stop the cycle. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Well, this journey really began um, back when I was in my first year of college. Um, I was 18 going on 19 and I got pregnant. And as soon as I got pregnant, I was basically, I knew I would become a single teen mom. Um, So I... 
I went through postpartum depression after my pregnancy and I, I did continue with my education. So when I had him, I was entering into my second year at UC Santa Barbara. And I didn't know that I was living with postpartum depression and that went untreated and eventually it became major depression disorder. And so for a while I felt disconnected from my child. I knew I had to logically, right? I knew I had to go to school, get good grades, get my education and eventually, you know, during summers get a job. So I was, I was just surviving, right? But I was kind of like an automatic pilot until I went to office hours for a psychology course and a professor, the psychology professor noticed my demeanor and um, was asking about me and my life. And um, he was actually a psychologist as well. So he suggested that I go visit the counseling center. And I never realized, you know, that therapy was an option for me that I knew the counseling center existed. I knew therapy existed, but I kind of was just in this little loop of just I never realized counseling or therapy was for me. I, I, it just wasn't um, something that we talked about, you know, same thing uh, that you had mentioned. Um, and when I was in there, I just kept also remembering my mom's words, which were, we don't talk about problems to strangers, to people outside of the, the family. We keep it inside. We help one another. And I think that that's been another um, stigmatizing message that we grow up with and that prohibits us from really seeking help. Mm -hmm. No, totally. And Thank you so much for sharing that too, because you talking about these things for our community actually shines a light upon our deeply rooted issues. And I want to ask you, like, what made you think about just saying, hey, you know what? Like, I, I know parents use this, this as like a way to regulate their children because there are most times like I'm one of four, you know, there's four of us running around. It's like, how do we keep our kids in check? How do we, you know, keep them on the right track? to not steer this way nor that way, but stay on the right track. Chancla culture is actually not a good thing. I used to think it was funny. I used to think it was funny to say, oh, si no mi mamá me va a pegar con, pegar con la chancla. Like, it's not funny, actually. This is like a scare tactic that we use on our children to make them fearful of being their own selves or making mistakes when, when you go into the real world. It's inevitable, right? It's inevitable to mess up sometimes. So what made you feel like, I just got to blow the top off of all of this so people can see us for what we really are and where we're headed and how these things no longer serve us? Yeah, yeah. We're conditioned to normalize toxic things in our culture. And so that's why one of the first episodes, the first episode of Latinx Therapy podcast was When La Chancla Crosses the Line, um, in which I spoke with another therapist, Maritza Placencia, about this. And it's it really comes from just witnessing being in the culture and being a mental health professional, learning about other methods, other ways, and my own experience as a mother and realizing, wow, there's so much somatic, so much physical tension that I'm carrying that isn't mine. I don't want to respond this way as a mom, but I it's actually natural, more natural for me to respond in a physical way than a more nurturing way. So it, it was reconditioning myself and going through my own therapy process to to learn how to not respond like that. Um, and I, I realize it sounds like I'm saying that I hit my child. I have never hit my child. I was actually never hit myself, um, but I was a child that witnessed a lot of violence in the home. So I, I witnessed um, my mom primarily hitting all my older siblings and I grew up in that fear and that's fear that really motivated me to drive um, drive me to um, destigmatize this and, and educate the community on there are other ways even spanking is a form of violence we don't have to physically touch someone in order to get our way there's actually a lot of nonverbal and verbal cues that we can learn to um, get you know, get our way with, with someone else to be able to foster a nurturing, compassionate conversation um, and, and have both sides be heard. 
I think that our parents have a lot of unaddressed trauma and that is where this chancla culture was really nurtured and fostered from. Um, and this unaddressed trauma becomes intergenerational when it is not addressed from generation to generation. So it becomes a learned behavior. And so I think being able to kind of heal and sit in in the driver's seat and realize, oh my gosh, all of this is still going on, uh, was one of the biggest motivating factors in just getting, you know, my voice and other therapist voice out there to, to pause this behavior. Totally. I couldn't feel you on that. To be the generation to say, Hey, I got to talk to someone about this and it's not going to be you, mom. It's not going to be you, dad. And it has nothing to do with you guys. You guys have done everything you can. And I see that, but I need to go seek outside help because I feel like I'm drowning and getting that therapy changed my life. Talking about what I've gone through from my childhood to a couple years ago to today and how I feel today. It was life-changing. And I think that one of the biggest things that stopped me from getting to that point was pride, which also comes from our culture, which is we're supposed to be good. We should be thankful for everything that we have. And I want to ask you, like, why is it that we do that? And what do you think it is that we can do to normalize and destigmatize therapy in our community? Because like I said, therapy changed my life. I want to say that therapy, one, is very liberating. And therapy, I think, has been known to be something for when we're in crisis, something for when we hit that rock bottom. But it doesn't have to be. Therapy can be preventative work that you do so that you don't get to rock bottom, so that you don't hit a crisis as hard as you did before. Therapy, you can learn skills. You can have someone that identifies at with you, right? Someone that's culturally competent, that um, is from your culture and can hear you out without any judgment. And so if, if you're contemplating it, there's so many resources now compared to when we were younger and for all budgets. So mm -hmm. give yourself that opportunity and, and see what it's like. But I think that to destigmatize it, it's it's about trying it first and being open minded because it's very difficult providing therapy services and being in therapy, which I was myself, um, when we are in a mindset of just we're not supposed to be here. I'm not going to open up. Why should they know this? Why should they know that? It's just not going to work that way. So you have to be able to reach a place where you can be open-minded about it and be willing to accept that help. Definitely. No, I, I hear that 100% and I completely agree. And because I know you specifically focus in on trauma and something that I myself um, have dived into, I wanted to ask you, what are other forms of trauma that we maybe don't normally recognize? Because I think a lot of people maybe identify trauma with like the absolute worst thing that can happen to a human being, something with violence, something that is that almost takes your life away. But that's not always the case. And, and it's hard for us who maybe aren't as educated um, on what trauma can be. I'd like to ask you, what are what are those forms of trauma that we tend to always think aren't trauma because we don't affiliate it with the worst of the worst? Yeah, that's a great question. Trauma is very subjective. So only an individual can really determine what a trauma is for them. So um, it's, it really depends on how your nervous system responds to an event. I want to say that first and foremost. Now, it's super common where we, you know, sometimes I, I get a client, many clients, and they tell me that um, they compare their traumas with others like, oh, but mine isn't as bad as a car accident or as mass shootings. Right. And then they start to um, feel bad about that. Like, oh, I shouldn't even be here in therapy. No, a trauma is a trauma. A trauma is what impacted you. It doesn't have to be what you're describing, Becky 
lucky, something that is, you know, kind of quote unquote obvious, but it could even be words that are said to you and that shocked you. It could be, it, it could include microaggression. It doesn't even have to include words, but it could even be subtle, nonverbal um, body expression from someone else, the way that someone treats you over time. It can be being oppressed, right? Not being able to speak your mind, to say something, to advocate for yourself. Um, it could be um, em emotional abuse and psychological abuse, lots of gaslighting over time from a partner, from your parent, or from any family member. So there are many, many subtle things that can include traumas. It doesn't have to just be assaults and car accidents and shootings, crimes. It could definitely be interactions that you have with someone, arguments, right? When you are physically afraid of someone because, or just the perception or the thought of someone because you've had history of bad interactions with them, where now you feel like your emotional safety is at threat or even your physical safety. You breaking all of that down weighs really heavy on my heart because I think that our communities of color for so long have dealt with these forms of trauma and have been told to just be thankful that they're here, to just be thankful that they have the opportunity to exist. And so we've constantly minimized and belittled our own pain, our own forms of trauma, because we don't know any better, because we don't have access to this information. And I really wanna thank you for breaking that down because if there's anyone out there who does that to their own selves, to belittle, to belittle their own feelings, to say, but not me. Like I felt that way when I got diagnosed with depression, I was like, but not me, no way. There's no way I could. And then I started to work on myself and I started to do the things that I had to do on my own journey to become better. And then 2020 hits and then COVID-19 takes over. And then there goes the triggers. And identifying my triggers became harder because I'm like, wait, I thought I thought, I thought it was this, but it has nothing to do with that actually. Maybe it's deeper. And it's practicing those little routines of self-care that really helped me through. And I want to ask you, what those little bits of advice in regards to self-care that someone who maybe doesn't feel ready to step into therapy yet, but is listening to this and is like, okay, I know I need to do something. What are little things that they can do for themselves as a first step to overcoming these stigmas, to overcoming these negative thoughts maybe that they're having that are triggered by this time? Some of the things that are really important for this initial work includes becoming aware. So educating yourself on mental health topics. And that could be by listening to a podcast about mental health and just getting the, that basic knowledge so that you know you can uh, identify what's going on with you, with your life, being able to feel connected to something, being able to feel be validated, right, is very healing just in itself. So when you hear it typically from someone else that you don't know, usually that's very healing and liberating in itself. Um, and then some other things that could be is how can you foster more emotional safety within your own body so that you can trust yourself, so that you can help control your mind a little bit more, so that you can can guide yourself into more safety. And so that can mean using your senses. Your five senses are so, so powerful and something that we just take advantage of. Um, and we, we don't realize the power that they carry, but using your senses, whether it's the five, four, three, two, one technique, uh, starting off with that as a basic skill set can be very pivotal in your work and talking to someone be be open and know that there is strength and vulnerability. Because again, our culture tells us that when we're vulnerable, we are weak, but we are not. We are resilient when we are vulnerable and we are breaking generations of trauma when we allow ourselves to be vulnerable. So however, you know, for those of you listening, however you take that, do something with it, be vulnerable. I know that you have your own podcast that focuses 
in on a lot of these topics and I would love to just drive everyone over to that podcast to dive in even deeper. I know my time with you is limited, but um, I, I do think that everything that you tap into, like I said myself, as someone who, you know, a lot of people think she's got it all together. She has everything you could ever dream of. Nothing in life could affect her. And it's like, that's not the truth. At the end of the day, we're all human beings. And like you said, our triggers vary. Our traumas are all different and all of them deserve the time and attention and space to exist and to to give that time of dedication to overcome them and figure out what works for us so yeah anybody listening to this you have to check out her uh her podcast because it's amazing honestly like i said the topics that you dive into even just the things that you post on a daily basis are always just so even though sometimes they do shed a light on things that maybe aren't so positive, it's a positive thing that we are even acknowledging them because that means that we're validating that they actually do exist because for so long we make it seem like these things don't exist. And I want to ask you personally, because you were so open in the beginning, I would love to ask you what has been the biggest lesson that you've learned on a personal note that has revealed itself this year for yourself? in your family? Oh, let's see. I think that we are greater in numbers and to not underestimate communication. So just because I believed that one family member wouldn't hear me because there's been history of, of not having positive communication, I gave myself the opportunity to, to speak with this family member during COVID specifically because of COVID and they listened. So I think that um, just relying on, on family members and not thinking that I can do everything on my own because, you know, I am the mental health professional, you know, I carry certain roles in my family. So reaching out for help, communicating with others has been um, huge learning lessons during this time. I love that. I'm so happy you shared that because it's true. We see someone like yourself who has access to all of the facts and all of the history and all of those things and say, well, yeah, she's for sure got to have it figured out. But like I said before, we're all human beings on our own journey. And I'm really thankful that you were able to share that. And before I let you go, I would love for you to share with our listeners where we can access all of your work, all of your resources. Thank you. So you can visit our website, latinxtherapy.com. And we have our workshops as well posted on there. They are national workshops. Um, and our podcast is found on any podcatcher. And our social media platforms were on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Latinx Therapy. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. And I also look forward to continuing this alliance in our Latinidad and coming together on what we can do to exercise these amazing resources for our community, because I do believe that they can change lives at the end of the day. And we are capable of so much. So I thank you so much for your time. And I send all my best to you and your family. You guys stay safe. And um, until the next one. Thank you. Do you ever wonder where all your money went, like every single time you look at your bank account? Honestly, it's probably all those subscriptions. I felt that way too, until I got Rocket Money. Rocket Money helped me see all the subscriptions I'm paying for, and it was eye-opening. Between streaming services, fitness apps, delivery services, it all adds up so quickly. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. That's rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. 
Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code AUDIO to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code AUDIO at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code AUDIO. All right, mi gente. Now, my next guest in La Sala is someone I would consider my familia. Someone who I've known for many, many years now and who has always been very open and transparent about his journey with his mental health. Everyone, welcome to La Sala, Jose, Señor J Balvin, my brother, my family. Hello, how are you? Good, long time no see you. I know, same here. How you been? I've been here good, you know, I've been grateful, you know, learning, learning every day. Where are you calling us from? I'm in LA right now. Oh, you're you're my city. Okay, I didn't know you were here. You've been in LA for a minute now. Uh, like two weeks. Yeah. I'm oh, okay. So recent. Yeah. Okay. You see, guys, in la cuarentena. Hundred percent. Oh yeah, same. I'm super miedosa. I take it too serious. My anxiety is just like, I want to stay home. I want to do everything from home. I don't want to leave my home ever. Yeah, <laughs> I, I already had it, so I had COVID, and it was the worst thing I ever had. I know, no, yo te escribí when I, obviously, I, I know you shared it with the fans and stuff. And, and um, even before that, I had heard, obviously, through our teams that you, estabas en Colombia, no? When yeah. you, when you had it and you guys were, it was multiple of you guys in quarantine together that got yeah. the virus, no? Yeah. And true. he says the, the worst thing you could have imagined. Yeah, to me, it's the worst thing that I ever had. So I, I can imagine that also from like a, a headspace. I know my anxiety probably would have made it worse, you know? It's so hard that you can even, you don't even feel anxiety because it's, it's really painful. So you don't even like, you don't even, you just so focused on that pain that even the anxiety is gone. The, the worst thing about it is like after COVID, it seems like they've been proving that it's, uh, it's an inflammation general, right? So it's not only in your lungs, it's in your brain too. So people that suffer from anxiety or depression, it seems like it's, 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 it's triggering people to go back on anxiety and depression. That's interesting you say that because one, I think going back to our saying, you don't know what to believe. A lot of people are like, it's not real. Obviously, it's real. It's very real. It's very real and it's very... You know, people say that, you know, it's like a, you know, the politician situation around the world, you know, that it's like, make that out, but the virus is real, but definitely the virus is real. And there's a lot of people, you know, suffering from it and people die too. Yeah. People dying from it, people being affected by it on so many different levels. And that's why I wanted to have you on today's episode, which is focusing on mental health, because you literally just said, it, and I actually wanted to bring it up because I know you shared on your Instagram, you're having a moment. You're having a moment for yourself. You're you're very transparent, which I want to thank you for. Like one, as your friend, I'm just always so proud of you, but also thankful as someone who has experienced some of the same things, obviously not the same uh, or at the same level, but in my own way, um, that transparency to talk about these things is so important, you know, and it's interesting you say that you feel even because obviously you said you had the virus and then you are now going through this moment where you're having a downtime, yeah. right? It's an, it's a roller coaster with anxiety and mental health. I think a lot of people think that once you fix yourself, you're all better now. So I'm just going to be happy all the time. And that's just not true. You know, you know, it's, it's a lot of like, first of all, it's, it's a lot of bad information or, or people just because they don't have it. It doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. You feel me? And the fact that they don't feel it, it doesn't mean that the other people can, you know, can feel this, this worst situation because like anxiety and depression is not a feeling. It's a chemical disbalance. Mm -hmm. Okay. So one thing is being sad and another one is being depressed. Mm -hmm. The fact is like when you're sad, there's ways you can kind of like uh, hide those feelings for a second, right? When you're depressed, no matter what, what you have, who you are, what you do, who you with, you feel like shit, you know? And it's really something that is more powerful than anybody, you know? Like, that's the way you gotta be like, really humble yourself and understand that you could be whoever in this planet, but if you suffer from anxiety or depression 
or bipolar disorders, you know, there's a lot of sickness when it comes to mental health. It is more powerful than you, you know, and, and, and you got to be humble to, to accept that, you know. And it's still hard for me to accept that sometimes, you know, because like sometimes I compare myself to J Balvin and then Jose, you know, so I'm like, wow, I, I achieved a lot of the impossible things for so many people before in the Latino game, you know, mm-hmm. and, and then when I got anxiety and depression, I'm like, so why well, I'm so weak, you know, like what's, what's going on on me? Like why well, I'm, I'm, I'm weak, you know, and I'm, and I feel whacked, you know, I'm like, and that's when my doctor, because I got my, my, my psychiatrist or the shrink, you know, and, uh, and he's like, brother, like, it doesn't have to be related with your career. Is that you have, you have this and, and, and like people have cancer or like people have uh, problems on the lungs or problems in, in, in their kidneys. Yeah. Your heart, your brain is an organ too, you know? And, yep. and I've been like checking my whole life since I was a kid and, and now that I see it, it's like, I, ha- I always had it. I just didn't know it was anxiety or depression, you know? I've never related to something so much. You saying how you can identify moments in your life, now having the education and being exposed to oh, now I know. the help, now I know. right? Now you know. And it's so crazy to look back at those times because one thing that I always say is like, and, and I actually I wanted to ask you about this in particular because asking for help is one of the hardest things to do, right? Because especially in our culture, somos murguiosos, right? So sometimes it's the pride, it's the, the, the things in life that are so good that how dare us feel sad? How do you give yourself the permission, one, when did you give yourself the permission to say, I can't do this anymore? Did you, was it something that was hard to accept? Did your team see it before you did? Was it? No, it was like, you know, like, um, I didn't know what I had. When that started, it was like, I don't know, like maybe seven years ago, six years ago, that I know that I had anxiety, the name of what I had, you know, because it seems that I had it since I was a kid. I I was just just crying for no reason, you know, and I didn't want to wake up, didn't want to eat. I didn't want to live. And and, and I didn't know why it was, it was, it was just scared of everything and fear of fear, you lose hope and you feel strange in every place you go. You know, like, you feel like you are outside your body, you know? And, and I was like, what is this? You know, like I'm going crazy or, or you know, what's going on with me? And the last thing that I, that I, you know, that I looked for, it was for a doctor. You know, that was the very last thing because I said, like, now, like, if I go to a shrink, I'm not crazy. Yeah. You know? And that would be the first thing that I should do that day. You know? But I started, like, you know, when, as a human being, when you don't, when you don't understand what's going on inside of you, what's the reason why you're feeling something, you start looking outside. You know, so... I remember a lot of things, you know, like I went, I went like, oh, this uh, ignorant things like, oh, that's witchcraft, you know, like something's going on, la brujería, like that, because you just don't know what's going on. So that's what happened when human beings cannot explain what's going on. They start looking for outside things that are not under control, you know? So I remember, you know, like, oh, okay, go to the Santero and do this and do that, you know, like I was really looking for answers, you know, and, and people that believe, people that didn't, you know, but you start like going more crazy because people start like, oh no, maybe this is what's going on, or maybe this, this is what's happening. And I was getting worse and worse and worse, and I don't know what's going on with me. I remember that I, I was in bed like, I don't know, like five days, and I was just waiting to die. You know, like, I'm not, I don't have the balls to kill myself, but I'm not just going to be here and, and wait, you know, and, and see what's going to happen with me. And of course, my whole family was devastated, you know, because like uh, at that time I wasn't as known as I am right now, which I'm still think I'm not already known. But at that time I quit my career, you know, I told my dad, like I'm out of music, you know, like I cannot live like this. 
So of course they went crazy too. And and at that time I, my dad was my manager, so he was like really concerned about it. And uh, and I look on everything, you no, know, I look on God, of course, hundred percent. But listen, when they if you get shot in one leg, even if you pray, you have to go to the doctor to someone to heal it. Mm-hmm. You feel me? Yeah, you have a good connection with God, and I have a good connection with God. Yeah, but there's, we're still here in this planet, you know, in this in this reality. Yeah. So you can be as spiritual as you want, but as I told you, if you got shot, don't 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 think that if you're gonna pray, oh God, save me, save me, the heels are gonna be just like boom, you're gonna heal, and that's it. You gotta go to the doctor, and yeah, it might be God on the doctor hands, but you have to look for the the right help for it. So it took me like two months to accept to go to a shrink, you know, to a psychiatra. And I remember that I went there crying with my dad. My dad, me and my dad were crying, you know, like crying because like he didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to do. I just want to die, you know, and, and, and people start like, no, but you have everything, but what's everything for you? You know, is it money, everything in your life? Is that is what really happens? You know, happiness means get money. I don't know, you know. And 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 when I post things like this, like yo, um, you know, I'm going to this. People are like, oh, you like you're not grateful, you know, like <laughs> you're not grateful, or or you're doing this because maybe you have you're doing a campaign or you want to drop a new thing or I'm like I don't, I don't need this shit right now. Like I don't, I don't need that, you know. And and, and I'm I'm always being low key in my life, you know. Like I'm not about like scandalous and. And like beefing with each other, like you're never gonna see me on those moves, you know. Yeah. So I went to the to the shrink for the first time, and I remember, you know, he was looking at me. He was like, "You're gonna be okay." Or like, "No, <laughs> like I'm dying." And my dad was crying too, like, "No, yeah, he's dying." Mm-hmm. You know, and he was like, "No way," you know, like. So he started like telling me what I felt before I told him. He said, "Like, oh, are you feeling?" out of your body, you know, are you feeling that you're not in this world? Are you feeling that, that, you know, nothing makes you happy? You know, are you feeling that, that you're not connecting to the people when you talk because you're just like in a cloud, you know? And I was, yes, I have all those things. How you know? Well, because it's a sickness. It's, it's, you're sick. it's a real thing. Yeah. It's, 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 it's just a, a health problem. This is not, mm-hmm. don't look for nothing weird, brother. He told me that. Like, <laughs> I, mean, I, I have seen it all. He said, like, Meanwhile, you, know, you were looking for all the people who were doing oh, brujeria oh, on you. Know? <laughs> like, yeah, like, like, he was like, yeah, I have seen people that go to India and go to Cuba and go there. And they came back worse because they didn't have the cure and they, you know, they uh, got more confused than they used to be, you know. So you were like, you know, you got to take these pills. I was like, no, I'm not going to take a pill. But like, take the pill. I'm not crazy. I'm not crazy. I'm not going to take a pill. Like, listen, listen, try it. And then we talk. Mm-hmm. I started t- taking the medication. And I'm, I'm really, really obsessed when I do things, you know, I want to do things right. And I remember that I was calling the, the shrink every five minutes. Like, I'm feeling this. This is normal. Like, I got chills. This is normal. Like, yes, yeah, it's normal. Then two minutes after, like, hey, it's me again. Hello. Uh, <laughs> kind of dizzy. It's normal. Yes, yeah, it's normal. Like, hey. <laughs> I called that the, the guy the same day, I don't know, like 200 times. Mm-hmm. And we became best friends, of course, because I started having this relationship with him because I was just like, hey, I got this. Like, how feeling? You know, it took me like a month or two. And then like, boom, I'm back to normal. You know, like my brain was just connected again with the right on the right vibe, you know, to say like that. And um, and since then I've been, you know, medicated. You know, I feel I don't feel bothered about it. Uh, sometimes when you get so good, you start like, oh, I'm good enough now. Like I'm gonna start quitting that. And that actually happened to me because I I was start feeling great through quarantine. And then I, you know, I told my girlfriend, like, you know what, I'm gonna start like taking, you know, a step back on the pills. I feel great. 
So I started doing that. I didn't tell my doctor. So uh, this last episode is I went to Miami. I started feeling anxiety. I started feeling like scared of sleeping. And then I was really scared of COVID. I had COVID in Miami. So then things got complicated. I got to go back to my pill because I was trying to leave them. And he was like, well, you didn't tell me you wanted to, you know, yeah. like call the reds. You know, because like, I have to guide you if you want it. But yeah. Like, but you shouldn't because this is like, this is your situation. This is the way you were born. And this is yeah. what you're doing. And there's some people that maybe they haven't had it yet. But maybe one day they're going to trigger that. You know, like I always say, like, I, I remember people used to tell me when I got diagnosed with my depression as well and my anxiety, it was do yoga, try some Pilates. It'll do the, and I'm like, fuck all of you. You don't under, I felt so isolated. And I was like, I don't know what's going to work for me. And, you know, I, I always tell people like, give yourself the opportunity to figure it out. Whether it's medicines, whether it's exercise, whether it's meditation, whether it's all of it together, because maybe you need all of it together. Don't judge yourself in comparison to the other person. You being on medicine is your story. That's your journey. That's what your body is calling for, yeah. you know, but with work, it's a lot of work. And I think that you, you're someone who's put in so much work into yourself. I do. I do exercise every day. I do meditate. And even though I got that, you know, so that's like, mm -hmm. yeah, you know, just, just people that, you know, and it doesn't mean that you're weak or not, you know, this, this thing to just connect with you. And, and as I told you, I don't do drugs. I don't, I don't drink. Yeah. You know, I'm, um, I'm definitely a weird artist when it, a real, oh, yeah, weird artist when it comes to that, because like normally, you know, you know how to right? Yeah. But, the rock star life. Yeah, Everybody I thinks it's all crazy. Yeah, I don't drink, I don't smoke, you know, not nothing. I don't do no drugs. I just do exercise every day in the morning. I meditate. You know, I try to have just the healthiest life, you know, and, and, and be connected to myself. But even though when that shit gets on me, it fucked me up, you know? Yeah. Yeah, you know, and I, I think a part of it has to do, like, going back to, like, you know, nuestra cultura latina, like, I think that it's so ingrained in us in so many different ways, and I always sympathize for all of us, for our women, and then also for our men, because our men are constantly told, you know, to man up, be a man. Yeah. Men shouldn't cry. Men shouldn't be weak. And you you said it earlier. At one point, I was like upset with myself because I was being weak. Why was I feeling weak? And I think that as a community... We need to do better and acceptance, one, and education. And education, yo siempre he dicho que mis abuelitos ni mis bisabuelitos were talking about trauma. They weren't talking about therapy. They weren't talking about psychologists. Cuando estás triste, tómete algo. Cuando estás triste, cómete algo. We cope in ways that are not the best ways. Right. And so I think that it would be awesome to hear from you, you know, what you would tell our community, especially to our youth, right. Because that's where we can really make an impact and a change yeah. how to be comfortable with themselves and accept that I am who I am and I'm dealing with I'm de what I'm dealing with and I might need help. What would you say to anybody who's kind of struggling with those, with those things? You know, like when I was a kid, I thought that music, you know, the, the, the superstars and the artists that I used to, you know, look for had a perfect life, you know? And uh, when I started being an artist and, you know, my way up and, you know, still working on it, I thought that happiness and, and all those things were going to be in these things that we used to dream about it, you know, like, yeah, money and fame and this and that, which is great. That, that's, that's not the problem. You know, like money is not the problem. You know, like what I'm saying is like, you are human being, you know, and, and we all have different or different ways to, to carry across, you know, like 
And uh, what I want to tell the kids first is like, don't believe everything you see on Instagram because it's not like that. That's why I want to be a real man. You know, like we just want to show the best of us. Right. And that's cool. But there's a lot of people out there suffering the way I was suffering or I'm suffering right now with this anxiety and depression. You know, I'm grateful that I can still work. You know, my mind is the one who's still like fucking me up, you know, and just like, you know, you want to die, you know, this, that, that, how you want to feel, whatever, you know, I still feel this right now at this very moment. But when you are going to a hard moment, like anxiety or depression and stuff like that, don't check Instagram because people just want to show the best of the world, you know, and I suffer from that too. When I'm on Saturday and I check Instagram, I'm like, oh, everybody having a blast, you know, and I'm here, you know, and, and I'm, I'm supposed to be the man, you know, I'm supposed to be Jay Bobby, like I should be, you know, just on a yacht, <laughs> you know, vibing, and, you know, and, and chilling and saying, be grateful because people come to me like, bro, you Jay Bobby, you know, you shouldn't be depressed. You know, like you have everything. And I'm like, what's everything for you? Mm-hmm. You know, like to me, everything like for real is have health, health and mental health, you know, and have peace. You know, there's a lot of poor people that has a beautiful peace and happy, and happy life, you know, and I know them and, and they're a friend of mine, you know. So I would tell the kids to, you know, to don't be afraid of be who they are. You know, and this comes to anything, you know, to your sexual identity, you know, to your beliefs, to your religion, to who you want to be as an artist or your career or, you know, to just like, don't compare yourself to no one else because at the end of the day, you're, you're, you're just one story, you know, you're unique and you're, and this is why you have to deal with and don't feel bad to be to feel fragile because that's humanity, you know, like, and I don't, and I don't care about it. Like, I don't care about saying, yeah, I'm fragile and I'm, and, yeah. and I do cry. Vulnerability. You know, and, there's yeah. stre- I always say there's strength and in, in vulnerability. I'm really, I'm really vulnerable, you know, muy vulnerable and I feel, yes, and I feel really fragile, you know, and, uh, that's life, you know, and, and that's life. And, and, and if any of my fans are watching me right now and seeing you, you know, the podcast, uh, yes, it's okay now to be okay. It, it means that I understand you, I feel you, I, 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 I feel what you feel, you know, like, yes, you might be having your best moment in your life and you're feeling like shit. I feel you. I've been there. You know, I've been there. I'm going to that right now. You know, but I still got this faith that everything's going to be back to normal. I'm disciplined. I take my medication. You know, I try to be a, a better life, a healthy life. And I think one of the most cool things that I could say to a kid is like, be a good person, Maji. Ooh, be a good person. Be a good person. And can I just, I want to tell you something though, because not a lot of people know how far back you and I go, but I've, I've met you and I've known you since I was 15, which is crazy. <laughs> Cause I'm 23 today. And that's been many, 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 many years. And I always tell people like how crazy it is. Cause I feel like a cat who's lived nine lives. Cause when I met you in my career and where I was then is so different than where I am now. And same for you. Like you weren't, you weren't Jay Balvin, the international superstar. You were Jose from Colombia, you know? So yeah. it was a, a crazy time when we met, but as your friend, I just want you to know that I love you so much. I care for you so much. And I, I really see you and thank you for being such an advocate and such a light in a space that can be so dark. And just know that your darkness can be light to others. Your darkness right now that you are living is light to other people who have maybe shared a similar experience or are going through a similar time in their life. You are an incredible person and I'm just so proud of you and I love you so much and I can't wait to see you once this all this virus goes away and toda la cuarentena's over and we can antibodies though I got antibodies I can (laughs) (laughs) all right I'll get tested we can hang out (laughs) yes uh, thank you thank you for our Mr. Spassi I'm really grateful that you opened you know these moments for 
you know, to the world, you know, we need moments like this. We need reality. We need real people. That's what I've been learning. You know, like I go so hard sometimes on myself and it gives me peace when I know that I'm, I'm doing things right when it comes to a human being. And yes, I have a lot of mistakes, of course. And, you know, we're always a student. You know, I was, I'll be, I'll be a student every day. But yeah, thank you for this moment because, you know, we can, we can give some light to the people that are going through darkness right now. And, and, it's, and if, I, if I have to be the one in the darkness to just give the light, that's the reason why I came to this world, you know, and, and let's go. Yeah. Well, your light shines very bright. <laughs> even, even when you're going through hard times, I just want you to know that I feel it. I see it. And I'm thankful for it. So I'll let you go. Mi gente, my boy, Jose, in la Hello, sala. Besitos. I love you so much. Beso. Maritza, Brian, Daniel Mato. Saludos a todos. Love you, Queen. Love Hope you, to too. You Bye. All right, mi gente. My favorite part of In La Sala. And oh, this is the last time we're going to get to do this within the season of In La Sala. As you guys know, or maybe you don't know because this is your first time tuning into one of our episodes, we do this part called Pay It Forward, where if we're going to talk about the culture, we are going to give back to the culture. And In La Sala, here we love to dedicate each episode to different grassroots organizations every week. And it is so important to me that we highlight the incredible work of these organizations and that we are giving back every single episode. So this episode, we are going to be giving back to the Loveland Foundation. So the Loveland Foundation was established in 2018 by Rachel Cargill in response to her widely successful birthday wish fundraiser, which was to bring therapy to black women and girls. And I just think that that is so beautiful and so selfless. We always think as a birthday, as something to celebrate ourselves. But I've been saying now more than ever that we should be thinking we, not me. And I think that Rachel was onto something well before I was even thinking that way. And it's so inspiring. And I loved this so much. And I myself personally have been donating to this foundation because I love the work that they do and the support that they provide. And the Loveland Foundation is the official continuation of this wish and this goal that was made for black women and girls. And the effort is to bring opportunity and healing to communities of color and especially focusing on black women and girls. And you guys can also learn more about the Loveland Foundation and ways to give at thelovelandfoundation.org. Like I said, I personally have been donating to this foundation for some time now, and I'm so proud to be able to dedicate this episode focused on mental health to the Loveland Foundation. Now, although we dedicate each episode to a specific organization, I also want to speak to the fact that this year has been very revealing for a lot of people and has been challenging for people in so many different ways. And if you are going through a difficult time in your life or having incessant or reoccurring negative thoughts I also want to provide you guys a number to call, and that is the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. And that is available 24 hours a day, 24-7. Okay, so no matter when, no matter what it is, you guys can call English or Spanish 800-273-8255. That is 800 800- Two seven three eight two five five to talk about whatever it is that you're feeling or wherever it is that you are. Um, it's really, really important that we have these conversations that you guys are never too afraid to address these thoughts and these feelings that you may be having. Okay, mi gente. Thank you so much for tuning in to this very special episode focused on mental health. And I also want to give a huge 
thank you to my guests aquí en la sala Adriana Alejandre as well as Jose also known as J Balvin for joining me today now because it's our last episode I want to give a huge huge thank you to our incredible team that allowed me the space and the opportunity to dive into something that I had been wanting to do since the beginning of this quarantine it's a huge thank you to Hema Productions for making this happen so I want to give a huge thank you to Diana to Matt to of course my boy Emilio to Maritza to Christian to Brian to Alicia to Rick and my team Daniela Mark and Ben and all my mom my dad my siblings my abuelitos of course my tios my tias my primos because if I don't mention them why didn't you mention me I want to give a huge thank you to all of the guests that came into La Sala and a special thank you to my boyfriend Sebastian because he's in the other room and if I don't say thank you to him again he's going to be like why don't you drop the da boy one more time so shout out to the boy for being on my love and lyrics episode because I love you boo boo you cute also a huge thank you to Amazon Music specifically Amazon Music Latin for allowing us the space and opportunity to collaborate to talk about things that are so important to our community I'm so thankful for you guys and my fans last but not least I love you guys so much if it weren't for you guys I would not be where I am today muchísimas gracias a todos ustedes por siempre 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 darme el apoyo and um, I'm just so proud to be um, I guess an extension of what is the American dream today and we're gonna keep this thing going and I can't wait to look forward to the future You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.